Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. And my mind was taken this morning as I was with the Lord in prayer to John 18, where the soldiers come to Jesus in the garden and they say, he says, who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. They didn't say we're seeking Jesus. They didn't say we're seeking Jesus Christ because they wouldn't dare say we're seeking the anointed one, Christ But they said, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth. But what they didn't know is that by saying seeking Jesus of Nazareth, they identified exactly who he was and exactly who he came to be. And when they said, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth, he said, I am. I am. And when he uttered, I am, the scripture says that power flowed with those words so strong that they fell to the ground as dead men. Because I am was a declarative statement that he was the fulfillment of every promise that the father had ever made. That he was the one who was in the beginning with God. That he was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That he was the word spoken in the beginning. The light that came into darkness. The one who created. The one who breathed. He was the one with the Spirit hovering over the water who brought order where there was disorder. When he said, I am, he meant, I I am and I was and I will be. When he uttered, I am, he made a declarative statement to all of history, to all of the angels watching, to all of hell that was in attendance. I am. I was the one in the bush. I was the one on the mountain. I was the rock. I was the water that came from the rock, the manna on the ground. The living bread that's here now, I am. Jesus of Nazareth. The consecrated, set apart one. The anointed one, the holy one, I am. I think sometimes we forget. I think sometimes we just lose sight of who he is. I think sometimes we get caught up in the mess of this life that we lose sight of who he really is. That we lose sight of how of, of who he's been and who he will be. That he is God and that he is with us and for us. And I don't mean to rant this morning, but, but he's here and he's God. I want to take you this morning to Hebrews. We're going to start in chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to back up a little bit. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I'm in the ESV this morning, so yours might look a little different. But Scripture says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The message this morning is fixed on him. Fixed on him. 
Father, we thank you for this word. Jesus, we thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you that you've come into this place to change us. You don't show up to just show off. You don't show up just to make your presence known, but you show up to change your people. You show up to receive glory and to change us in your glory. And we thank you. Lord, have your way in this word. We are not moving on from your presence because we're done with worship. But this word is a form of worship, Lord. We set our hearts on you. We set our eyes on you. We set our ears on you, Lord. We ask that you speak through this word and help us to hear what you would have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're coming off of the greatest chapter on faith that the Bible has. Hebrews 11. In Hebrews 11, we have our champions of faith. The scripture tells us about all of the champions of faith and all of the mighty victories that they would fight and all of the, the mighty things that they would do through faith. But it also tells us about the things that they would not yet accomplish. In fact, we're going to start with Hebrews eleven thirty nine 39 and 40. The scripture says, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God, verse 40, had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So 12 verse 1 starts off with therefore. And we all know the apostle likes us to go find out what therefore is there for. So chapter 11 is what it's there for. The whole chapter in particular. The whole chapter, yes, but in particular these last two verses, 39 and 40. All these, all these champions of faith. And the whole chapter, when you get a chance to go back and read it, Really pay attention. It's, it's some wonderful, mighty stories about victories and about triumphs. I mean, there's a section in chapter 11 where the writer says that through faith they conquered kingdoms. They subdued armies. The women received their dead back to life. All of this is through faith. This was not through battle. This was not through warring. This was through faith. And yet in chapter 39, the scripture says that though they were commended through their faith... So we've spent all of chapter 11 building up faith. Faith is awesome. Faith is wonderful. Faith is powerful. And he says, yes, they were commended through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. The word for commended here means that they bore witness or they told a testimony. So their faith was actually a testimony about what was yet to come. Their faith was actually bearing witness about what was yet to come. We know that the beginning of Hebrews 11 starts off that faith is the evidence of things not seen. We know that faith is the evidence of things not seen, but 39 actually backs this up, that they were commended through their faith. Their faith bore witness about what was yet to come. It told a testimony about what was yet to come. What is it that was yet to come? Chapter, chapter 11 tells us what was yet to come was what was better that God had provided for us. God had provided something better for us. Who is the us? It is the readers of Hebrews. Christian readers of Hebrews. Hebrews is written to a group of Jews who have converted to Christianity. Who are ready to give up on Christianity. Because they're like, forget this man, this is hard. They have been ostracized. They've been put out of their community. Many of their businesses have been shut down. And their families think they're crazy because they believe in this dead guy who they think came back to life. And, and the writer of Hebrews here is saying, no, listen, 
the patriarchs of old who we all believe in, we commend them for their faith. But their faith was actually bearing witness of what now you have inherited. And what you have inherited actually is better than what they were walking in. What is the better thing? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. In other words, we don't have to have faith for a Messiah that will one day come. Because He has come. We don't have to have faith for a Savior that will one day come and save us of our sins because He has come. We don't have to look ahead like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did to a promise that is yet afar off because He has come. Yes, there are things that are put, up, put afar off from us. There are things that are still ahead of us. But the writer says that we haven't inherited something better than even the champions of the faith that are commended in chapter 11. And in fact, he goes on to say, he goes on to say that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In other words, we pick up the, the baton. We pick up the torch. And by running our race, because they have looked ahead to our day. David looked ahead to our day. Abraham looked ahead to our day. And saw a day when Christ would be made manifest. When he would die for the sins of the world. And because they looked ahead to our day. And we have now inherited something better. Or the word there actually more perfect or more usable, more serviceable. Because we have inherited something more serviceable than faith. Christ is more serviceable than faith. Faith is awesome. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. And because we have inherited something more serviceable, our race actually completes their race. This is, the, this is the, the, the beauty of Scripture and the beauty of the gospel. Is that it is a generational, a generational movement. Psalm 24 talks about the generation that would stand before the Lord. He says that those with a clean hand and pure heart would ascend the, hand of the, the hill of the Lord and stand before Him. This is the generation of those who would seek Him. Well, how do we get to a generation who can ascend the hill of the Lord and stand before Him? We've got to build on the generations before, him, before them. This is the beauty of the gospel. And so in picking up the baton, in running with the torch, we actually perfect and make perfect their race. So this is how we get to 12.1. So we have patriarchs who we, who we adore and we celebrate and we thank God for their life. We thank God for what they've done and what they've been through, the mighty victories that they've won. But we have come into something better. What is the something better? Jesus now we come into 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses who is jealous because we have come into something better. We are not jealous over... The, listen, yes, it's awesome that they're in the presence of the Lord. But they are jealous that we have come into a day where the Spirit of the living God dwells with on the inside of us. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are jealous that we have come into a day where the Spirit of the risen Christ, Romans 8, dwells within me. We are not jealous of the days where David had a tent and he stood in the tent with the ark. He is jealous over the day where the Spirit of the living God dwells in me and I can walk in the same power that rose Christ from the dead. So therefore, because they are looking unto us to finish out the race that they have begun, because they are looking unto us, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us lay aside every weight and sin and run with endurance. 
The word for lay aside here is the, the law first mentioned in the Bible. It tells us that the first time a word is used, it sets the precedent for every other time the word is used. The first time lay aside here is used, it's in Acts 7 when Stephen is being martyred and the, the Jews lay their coats at the feet of Saul. They come and they lay their coats at the feet of Saul. What does this tell us? This tells us that we actually have the authority and the power to lay down the weights that we have willingly picked up. Because here's what we do. The scripture says lay aside the weights and the sins that so easily cling to us. That means there's a difference. Yes, there are sins that cling to our life. But there are also things that I have willingly chose to pick up that I'm not supposed to be carrying. Things that are heavy on my life. Things that are burdensome, the word means, on my life. That I'm not supposed to be carrying. And I've stuck a label on them that say kingdom. That say Jesus. I've stuck a label on them that say calling. That say anointing. And Jesus says, I've never, ever, ever asked you to carry that thing. You're carrying something heavy and burdensome that I've never asked you to carry. Because my yoke is light and my burden is easy. That's what he said. It's red letter. So if it's heavy and it's hard, I'm not talking about work. I'm talking about if the burden is hard and the yoke is hard, it's not from him. Bill Johnson likes to say, if the yoke is hard, I'm pulling in a different direction than him. Because we are yoked together with him. And when I'm yoked with someone bigger and stronger, they do the pulling. And I walk beside them. I do the walking beside them. So I have picked up, unin- I've picked up intentionally these weights. And they might be half kingdom. They might be half anointing. But they've got worldly things on them. And because they're only half kingdom, they're half heavy. And I'm carrying them around and I've got ankle weights and weights hanging off of me. And I'm not able to run with endurance the race that he set before me. And I'm getting tired and beat down and wearied. And we've got churches that say, I can't run anymore because it's too heavy. And Jesus is saying, because you're carrying junk you were never meant to carry. You're trying to run with things I never asked you to carry. I've got stuff on me that I never should have been carrying. And Jesus is saying, lay it down. Put it down. Just because it looks good and sounds good and might fit into the plan of the kingdom doesn't mean I was graced to carry it. He might be graced to carry it. I might not. She might be graced to carry it and he might not. That doesn't mean I'm graced to pick it up and run with it. But we look at what's good instead of what's God and we pick it up and start running with it. And then 10 miles down the road we go, wow, my arms are wore out. And Jesus is asking the church in this hour not to run with what's the heaviest, but to run with what he's called us to run with. Because he's looking for a bride that runs with endurance. A bride that runs with endurance to lay down the stuff that we've picked up along the way. And to strip off the labels that we've put on it that says, this is what he's given to me. No, that's not what he's given to us. That's what we've given to us. That's what I've given to me. This is, this is for me. I got this first. This is as much for me as it is for anybody. There are things that I have picked up that were never meant for me. 
Things that I tried to carry that he never meant for me to carry. And because of it, I got tired and I got burdened down. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, why is it so heavy? And he said, put it down. Lord, but it's good. Yeah, but it's not me. And it's not for you. Because it's weighty and it's burdensome. And my burden is easy and my yoke is light. It's not for you. There are weights that we have picked up willingly. They're not clinging to us. The sin clings to us. But thank God for the blood. But the weights we pick up. And if we pick them up, we can lay them down. The lie is, I've picked it up, now I've got to carry it. The lie is, I've picked it up and I've carried it this far. I might as well finish the race carrying it. That's a lie. That's a lie from hell that says, keep carrying it. Because everybody's watched you carry it this far. It's a lie from the devil. Jesus says, lay down what you've been carrying that I've never asked you to carry. What did he originally propose for us to carry? That's what we're supposed to carry. That's what we're supposed to carry. But we have picked up weights along the way and we have begun to carry them and say, because they're good, that's what I'm supposed to do. Because somebody else is carrying it, maybe I should pick up one and carry it too. Maybe I'm not equipped to carry what they're equipped to carry. Maybe I'm not graced to carry what they're graced to carry. The word for endurance here is patience, steadfastness, constancy, perseverance. He's looking for a church and a bride that runs with perseverance. That runs with perseverance. Not a bride that sprints for 10 minutes and then has to stop to take a breather. There are plenty of churches that are good at sprinting and not good at persevering. Let's be a bride that runs with perseverance. It's the bride that runs with constancy. That after 30 years, the doors are still open. Folks are still coming in and getting healed. Little girls are still walking up and dancing after getting saved from a demonic cancer that's infiltrated their body. People are still walking in free of drugs and alcohol after 30 years. That's a constancy that the Lord says that's a perseverance because you haven't picked up things that you're not supposed to be running with. Well, Lord, they've got television, they've got radio, and they've got, they've got a, a bigger house, and they've got bigger this, and they've got bigger that. And, but those are weights that the enemy wants you to pick up and run with, that I've never called you to run with. But because you're running with what I've called you to run with, there is a perseverance that you're allowed to run with. And it is the one who runs with perseverance that makes it to the end. It is the one who presses on towards the mark of the high calling of Christ Jesus, forgetting the things behind them, who makes it to the end. Not the one who decides, how much stuff can I carry? Lauren likes to make fun of me when we get groceries because I hate making multiple trips. And I will carry as many groceries as possible and I will lose a finger in the process. And I'm not ashamed of that and maybe that's a sin and if so, the Lord will work on me and I don't need it from you all. I got the Holy Spirit, He'll tell me if He needs to. I will lose a finger in the process, but I cannot move well when I'm carrying all those groceries. I, admittedly, I could move a lot better if I picked up two or three bags at a time. I could probably get it done faster if we're being completely honest. And maybe this is therapeutic, I don't know. I could probably get it done faster if I picked up two bags at a time instead of, I don't even want to guess, however many bags. 
I would probably feel better afterwards instead of picking up all the bags at once. But I try my best to pick up as many bags as possible. And it's heavy and it's burdensome. And afterwards I feel the effects. Even after I put it down, I can feel the effects in my hands and in my fingers because the weight was heavy and it left an impact in me. But you know what happens after I put it down? Slowly but surely the pain starts to leave. And I become lighter. And all of a sudden, that thing that was burdensome and heavy, it's not heavy anymore. And I don't feel the weight anymore. Another lie we hear is, it'll always feel this heavy. Put it down. Put it down and watch how light it feels. Put it down and watch how light it feels. When I used to play baseball, we'd put a weight on the end of the bat when we were in the on-deck circle. And you'd swing the bat with the weight on it. And then when you got up to hit, you'd take the weight off and you'd get in the batter's box. And the bat felt like it was a twig. It felt like you were swinging a toothpick. Why? Because you had been swinging a bat in the on-deck circle that weighed three pounds heavier. And for four minutes, you'd been swinging a bat that was three pounds heavier. And all of a sudden, you went to a bat that wasn't so heavy. You went to a bat that wasn't so heavy, and it felt light, and it felt easy, and you could swing it, and there was no issues and no problems. There is a church coming out of this hour that is putting down weights, that is putting down heaviness, and there is an easiness that is coming. I feel that. There is an easiness that is coming to the church in this hour because they've been walking around with weights, and they're putting them down, and they're going to begin to run with an easiness because they've been walking around with stuff they shouldn't be walking around with. And now they're going to be able to run freely with endurance. With constancy and with perseverance. Oh, I'm good. With constancy and perseverance. Let us run the race that is set before us. He said, let us run the race that is set before us. Not the race that is set before Southland. Not the race that is set before Calvary or the race that is set before the church across the street or down the hall or the neighbor that is next to me in the aisle. The race that is set before us, that is set before me. There's a race that is set before me. And if I really want to get messed up, I can try to run somebody else's race. In somebody else's lane carrying somebody else's weights. Verse 2, how do we do it? Looking, let me just read, the, let me read verse 1 again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which, so, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The word for looking here. There's, there's actually... Let me do this first. The word for looking here, actually, I think is a bad translation. Looking isn't the right translation. The word for looking here actually means to take your eyes off of one thing, to move them away from being focused on one thing, and to intentionally and purposefully force them to be fixed on something else. That's the Greek here. So it is to purposefully, intentionally take your eyes off of one thing and to intentionally shift your eyes to be fixed on something else. So what's the writer saying here? The writer is saying your eyes are fixed on something. But here's how you fix it. Move your eyes intentionally off of what you're looking at and fix them securely at Jesus. 
And that's how you run the race with endurance. That's how you drop the weights. That's how you get rid of the sin that clings so closely. That's how you become a person and a people and a house and a nation that runs with perseverance and constancy. You fix your eyes on Jesus. You become a weird group of people that walk around staring at him. And the world says, how in the world do you walk, live, breathe like that? I don't know. But Paul said, live according to the Spirit. Walk according to the Spirit. March according to the Spirit. So we're just going to do that. Because if I fix my eyes on Him, all I know is that from Him and through Him and to Him are all things according to Romans 11. And so if that's true, then maybe, just maybe, He can really do all things. And he can give all direction and help me run the race that he's called me to run. And help me drop off the things that I shouldn't be carrying. And run with perseverance the way that I'm supposed to run. Because I've got my eyes fixed on things that I shouldn't be fixed on. I've got them fixed on ministry and I've got them fixed on helping the world and that's great. But if I'm not focused on him and if it doesn't flow from him to them, then it'll never change anybody. Even ministry, if it doesn't flow from him and to them, it'll never change anybody. We have to be a people that fix our eyes on him. It's actually two root words. The the two Greek root words are from, to separate, to separate your eyes, and then to be wholly fixed and focused and to stare until you perceive. So we have to separate our eyes from and then stare at Jesus until we perceive him. To stare at him until we perceive what he wants and what he desires and what he has for us in our lives. Because this is the way of the Christian. The way of the Christian is not what are the problems in the world and how do I think I can fix it. The smart minds of the world can figure out, how, can figure out what they think are the best way to fix the, the world's problems. Paul said that the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. That tells me that even when I think I've got the most brilliant solution in of myself, I pale in comparison to even a thought that he would throw in the trash can from heaven. So my job is to stay focused on him. My job is to stay connected to him. To stay fixed on him. Because if I stay fixed on him, then I'm able to perceive what he's perceiving. To know what he's thinking. To feel what he's feeling. And from that flows all things. His thoughts for my family. His thoughts for my church. His thoughts for my community. He has thoughts for Winchester. He has ideas to fix the drug problems in Winchester. The world would say, Winchester's lost and broken beyond fixing. Jesus has a plan to fix Winchester. He's waiting on somebody to get in alignment with his plan. And maybe it's not just a somebody. It may take a group of people. It may take a group of people. But it's not going to come because we get in a meeting and we get a bunch of really smart people together with money. And we say, what do we all think we can do to fix the problem? It'll come from a people who are fixed on him and say, what can he do to fix the problems? A group of people fixed on him. From him and through him and to him are all things. Because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. I love the word author here. It's the founder and the pioneer of our faith. He is the pioneer of our faith. 
He goes before us and treads the path before us. He goes ahead of us and walks out the paths. He's been there, done that, seen that before, already got a plan. And he's looking for a people who come into alignment with what he's speaking over this city and over this house. Stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.